Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at the week of 7 Easter, the seventh Sunday of Easter. Now, the seventh Sunday of Easter is a little complicated, so let me explain it to you. We celebrated in Holy Week at the end of Lent, the season of Lent. We celebrated the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, and then we began the season of Easter with the resurrection of Christ on Easter Day. It was a glorious day. In the season of Easter, there are Sundays, the second Sunday of Easter, the third Sunday of Easter. So there's Easter week, the second Sunday of Easter, the third Sunday of Easter, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh. At the end of the sixth Sunday of Easter, last week, we looked at Ascension Day on a Thursday because Jesus ascends into heaven, Acts chapter 1, Luke chapter 24, at the end of Luke 24, Jesus ascends into heaven, seated at the right hand of God Almighty, and that begins his session until he comes back again to judge the living and the dead in the second coming. Now, in the seventh Sunday of Easter, we are going to celebrate Pentecost at the end of this week. We are going to celebrate Pentecost on the following Sunday. Now, you'll notice on your post, we are setting out scriptures from Sunday to Saturday. Now, you'll also see listed the end of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, which is on a Sunday, the eve of Trinity Sunday, and then Trinity Sunday. We have scriptures for those two very important feast days. Now, what are those feast days? Well, the seventh Sunday of, e of Easter, you'll see we have scriptures from Sunday to Saturday. And so we have Exodus and Joshua and 1 Samuel and Isaiah and Zechariah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Very eclectic in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we have Hebrews and Ephesians. So we are actually working through the book of Ephesians. And in the New Testament Gospels, we have Matthew 8. We go back to Matthew. Remember, I finished with uh, the healing of the leper in Matthew 8, 1 through 4. So we pick it up in 8, 5 to 17. We go 8 and 9. Now, on that following Sunday, the beginning of a new week, we celebrate Pentecost. And so they list for you the scriptures for that day for the daily lectionary. I'll make reference to them in the next week. But then we begin this season of Pentecost, which is literally half the liturgical year. We go from Advent to Pentecost, and in the second half of the year, we have Sundays after Pentecost. And the first Sunday after Pentecost is called Trinity Sunday. And those scriptures will be followed by propers, and you'll get all that information from me next week. So what we have is we have the seventh Sunday of Easter from Sunday to Saturday. Then we have Pentecost week from Sunday to Saturday. And then we have Trinity Sunday. And that first Sunday after Pentecost is what Trinity Sunday is called. And that will go again from Sunday to Saturday. And we will identify those scriptures for you through the propers, okay? Don't worry about it. I'll walk you right through it. And then we'll be in the second half of the year. All right. So you can see in the week of 7 Easter on your post that, as I said, we have a very eclectic Old Testament grouping of scriptures. We have a very well set out New Testament set with Ephesians and Matthew. So let's dive in and 
read those. And I'll make a tacit reference to the Pentecost scriptures and the Trinity Sunday scriptures, but you can come back. We'll post those up in each of those weeks for you so that you can remember on that Sunday we celebrate Pentecost and then the next Sunday we celebrate Trinity Sunday. In Exodus 3, Exodus 3 is the famous passage with Moses in the burning bush. So what's going to happen in the Old Testament scriptures is we're going to have very famous Old Testament scriptures. So those of you that know the Old Testament fairly well, you're going to recognize these seven set of scriptures. For those of you that may not know the scriptures very well and you're learning them, which is fantastic, these are excellent scriptures for you to highlight perhaps in your Bible or make notes from because these are some of the more prominent and key ones. And this one is obviously important because God identifies who he is um, and says who he is uh, in this series of texts. He says... um, in verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Of course, in Exodus 3.14, he says, I am who I am sent you. In Joshua 1, Joshua gets his commission. I love Joshua 1 because it's a great way to live your life. In that first chapter, chapter 1, 1 through 9. He says, to us, to you perhaps, verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Remember, we talked about that last week from Leviticus. Do what God says. If you do what God says, you're going to be blessed. Do not turn from the right or the left, that you may be successful in everywhere you go. Do not let the book of this law depart out of your mouth. Learn the scriptures. Know the scriptures. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so you can be Careful to do everything written in it. You can't do anything written in it if you don't know what it says. Then you will be prosperous and successful. There's the consequence. Prosperous and successful. All right. So God will be with you. That's a beautiful scripture in the beginning of Joshua's ministry. 1 Samuel 16. This is the, again, very famous passage about the calling of David. Saul did not work out very well. So God sends Uh, Samuel to Bethlehem, to Jesse of Bethlehem. He says, I've chosen one of his sons to be king. God chooses him. And of course, it's David. And we have a beautiful uh, series of verses that point out how David was chosen. Isaiah 4, 3 to 6. Now we go to a prophet, the great prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 4, 2 through 6. Isaiah chapter 4. 2 through 6, verse 3. Break up your unplowed ground. Do not sow among thorns. Remember we talked about thorns last week in the uh, uh, Matthew 13 about the parable of the sower. One of the soils had thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you men of Judah and people of Jerusalem. Or my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. Break up your ground. Do not sow among, so it's important what kind of soil you have. So when God comes and plants seeds in your heart, those seeds can grow. Very much like Matthew 13 uh, in the parable of the sower. All right, on Thursday, we go to Zechariah chapter 4, 1 through 14. Zechariah, who is what we call a minor prophet, although he's not minor in any sense. There's 14 chapters of writing, but it's the minor prophets from Hosea to Malachi, which ends the 
uh, Old Testament. Chapter 4, uh, 1 through 14. Let's look at that scripture very quickly. Chapter 4, 1 to 14. Not by might. This is a good one. Not by might, verse 6. Nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Who despises the day of small things, verse 10. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, verse 10. So, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You and I can't do anything. We need the power of God. We need the spirit of God. And of course, this idea is behind the coming of the spirit at Pentecost. So we see that already in Zechariah chapter 4. Jeremiah 31, the major prophet, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, 27 to 34. Jeremiah 31, 27 to 34. The time is coming where I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, verse 31, and with the house of Judah. I will put my law in their minds, verse 33, and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So God is doing something great. And this is the only way that we can really do anything, not by my, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm going to put their law in their, my, their minds. No longer will a man teach his neighbor, verse 34, or a man his brother saying, know the Lord. They will know me from the least to the greatest. And I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. That's a great promise. Another very famous scripture, Jeremiah 31. And finally, Ezekiel 36 Another great scripture. All these Old Testament scriptures are very, very famous scriptures and very, very powerful. Ezekiel 36, this is another action of the Lord. 36, 22 to 27. 36, 22 to uh, 37. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I pray that for all of us, all of us, that God would put his spirit among, on us and in us. Um, again, this is a precursor to Pentecost. Uh, if you look at your notes, you see that on Saturday. And then Sunday, you see uh, Exodus 19 and the day of Pentecost, Deuteronomy 16 uh, in your scriptures for the Old Testament. And we'll start with those next week when we talk about the uh, coming of the Lord and the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So God is moving, even the Old Testament, even through the prophets, to tell us about the coming of the Lord in the Holy Spirit. See, this is why when we read the daily lectionary, it's wonderful because it has the Old Testament and the New Testament and the gospel readings all there. And a lot of times they will follow a pattern, a certain traditional pattern, uh, like preparing us for the ascension or preparing us for the resurrection or preparing us for the coming of the Lord or preparing us for the coming of the Spirit or preparing us for the coming of the Messiah. Those scriptures in the Old Testament are just as important as, as the New Testament scriptures because God is speaking from them uh, from the very beginning. So I hope you enjoy those scriptures very, very much. Ephesians is one of the deeper books of the Bible. It's an extraordinary book. Uh, and again, uh, I hope that you enjoy the reading of Ephesians um, this coming week. I know I'm looking forward to it. We start with Ephesians 3, 1 to 18. Actually, we're going to go through 3, 4, 5, and 6. And, I mean, I could just talk about Ephesians for hours and... Um, 
Uh, I just love this text. Although I am the least, less than the least of God's people, verse 8 of chapter 3, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ uh, is what we are going for, what we are trying to learn, what we are trying to uh, encourage, what we are preaching, what we are teaching when we talk about the biblical gospel, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 20, chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Very powerful man, Jesus Christ. So in your reading of the Old Testament, New Testament, and the Gospels, you want to really focus on the Lord. As a prisoner of the Lord, chapter 4, verse 1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, verse 3, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now he's going to tell you how to live. How are you going to live your life? And so as you go through chapter 4, and you'll see that on your post on Wednesday and Thursday, he says, verse 22 of chapter 4, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In your anger, verse 26, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry and do not give the devil a foothold. He must, and it just goes on and on. Read them slowly. Think about where you are in relationship to the scriptures. Think about what God's asking you to do. Chapter 5, be imitators of God. Verse 1, live a life of love. Live a life of love. Verse 8, for once you were darkness, now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. So he wants us to be loving. He wants us to live as children of the light. Find out what pleases the Lord in verse 10. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. Beautiful scripture. Okay? Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, verse 18, which leads to debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. And in chapter 6, which concludes our section here, 10 to 24, we have be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. All right, so he tells us how we're going to live in the power of the Spirit and in the power of uh, the Lord and what our adversary is or who our adversary is, the devil, and how to deal with him and how to be upheld in the Scriptures. Now we turn to, and you'll see uh, on the eve of Pentecost, you'll see 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. And in the eve of Trinity Sunday, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Again, we'll come back to those when we get to the, uh, the day of Pentecost and the day of Trinity Sunday. Okay, that'll happen in the next couple of weeks. In our study of the Gospels, we are in Matthew chapter 8. And what Jesus does is he comes off the mountain and he's now just going to do ministry. He's just going to do everyday ministry. And so... Uh, it's not boring. It's just a man doing phenomenal things and teaching phenomenal things, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now he's going to be doing phenomenal things. So he must be God. He must have extraordinary power uh, in order to, or divinity, certainly, to be able to say and do the things that he's doing. 
So in chapter 8, 5 to 17, we have the faith of the centurion. We have his healing. As we continue on, we, fi- we have the cost of following Jesus. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to follow Jesus. We have him calming the storm, the winds and the waves. Look at verse 26. He got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Completely calm. So when you're with Jesus, you are safe. Then we have the healing of two demon-possessed men. He even heals people, cast out devils, so he can calm the wind and the waves. He can heal lepers. He can heal people that um, are sick. He can cast out devils out of people. He can heal the paralytic, chapter 9, 1 through 8, and even forgive sins, even forgive sins. He calls Matthew in chapter 9, verse 9, calls him to himself, and Matthew gets up and is a tax collector, which is not a very good occupation known to Jews. They don't care for tax collectors that much. He has a conversation with the, uh, uh, the Pharisees, In in verse 11 of chapter 9, remember I've talked about that a lot uh, in previous books of the Bible. He's questioned about fasting. He's questioned about fasting. And then finally, in chapter 9, 18 to 26, we have the dead girl and a sick woman. And a ruler comes and kneels before him. My my daughter has died. Oh, no, now we have a resurrection, potentially. And... um, Then a woman that has been bleeding for 12 years touches the edge of his cloak, and she's miraculously healed. He gets to the ruler's house. Everybody's sad. They're crying. He says, go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. They laugh at him. Of course, it is absurd, isn't it? And after the crowd had been put outside, he goes in. He takes the girl by the hand, and he gets up. She gets up, I'm sorry, and she's healed miraculously. So in this very short series of lectionary readings, we have the healing of a paralytic and forgiveness of sins. We have the resurrection. We have the calling of another one of his disciples. We have a tete-a-tete with a Pharisee. We have the cost of following Jesus. He calms the winds and the waves. And the um, the centurion is healed is at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering, Jesus goes and heals him, but he doesn't literally go and see the person because the man says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And he was healed at that minute. So he doesn't even have to be there. He can heal long distance. What an extraordinary person. So you couple that. You take Matthew 8 and 9, and you take Matthew 5, 6, and 7, teaching and preaching, proclamation of God's word, teaching of God's word, and daily ministry, and you have this extraordinary combination of people. Well, I hope that you enjoy a tremendous week of scriptures as we uh, conclude, work through and conclude the week of 7 Easter, the seventh Sunday of Easter, followed by the week of Pentecost and the week of Trinity Sunday, which is the first Sunday after Pentecost, and with the coming of the Holy Spirit, and uh, enjoy the Old Testament, enjoy uh, Ephesians, and enjoy Matthew. God bless you abundantly and have a wonderful, wonderful week of study and reading and reflection. See you next week.